Hello, welcome to episode three of the Cinefreak Podcast. My name's Andy. This is Marcus. Good evening. How you doing, Marcus? I've, do you know, I completely forgot to introduce the pair of us the last time, all the time before. What kind of... But then, mind you, we're not hosts. We're, no, Hallis, Hallis, Hallis. We're captives. Yeah, we're, we're captives on Ireland, and uh, we've got to chime in now and again. Exactly. So, you know. So, how are you getting on? How are you enjoying the island? Uh, it's okay. I'm, I'm, I'm learning to build huts and, and, and fish and, right. and that type of thing. Not not using the facilities, then? Uh, thus far, no. Should, no. should I? Well, I... Usually, I you know, so I, the canteen I wouldn't bother because uh-huh. he, he's he like Gary, aka Hell. Yeah, he, he watched THX last week, didn't we? Or, we, we, we? We did, yes. Yeah, it's nothing but buns in there now, mate. <laughs> oh no! Yeah, it's, it's the Donald Pleasance buns. It's just it's, 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 uh, that's 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 his cooking repertoire, is it? Though? It is, yeah. So okay. I don't know. I, Frankly, I'm I'm fearful of what will be next week. But anyway. this week we've got um, well, we've got the appointment. We have, yes, yeah. indeed. Um, so let's get to that. So over to you, Gary. This week we have the little-known movie, The Appointment from 1982, starring Wicker Man star Edward Woodward. This is a strange little horror film with an unusual focus, and I can't wait to hear what our two humans make of this one. But first, let's hear listen to a brief clip. Extract from police report number 727A, strictly confidential, unpublished and unavailable. Subject, Sandy Fremont. The last positive sighting of the child was on her way home from a school orchestra rehearsal. This was on Tuesday, May 14th at approximately 6.30 in the evening. At about this time, her friend Janie Carr places her positively as entering the footpath through the area known as Crombie Woods, a then popular shortcut for several of the students living in Millard Heights. So there you go, that was the trailer for the appointment. Um, hmm. Wow, yeah, um... Obscure, uh, you could say, but um, interestingly obscure. Um, uh, the premise, yeah. The premise. Uh, well, I suppose I should take this one, since it was uh, kind of my suggestion. But it's hard. It's one of those films where if you describe the plot, it's really not much happens. Um, the appointment, the name of the film is basically Edward Woodward plays an executive and he's got an appointment. Yeah. He's got to be somewhere. Now, the problem is that that's going to... He's not going to be there for his daughter's violin concert. And that's where we start getting to the crux of it, basically. So we have a domestic situation. And in fact, a, half the film, I would say, is um, the night before the appointment. Yeah. Yeah, really. Yeah, it's leading up to that. that. It's leading up to that. But to, before that... We have a sequence at the beginning. Now, I don't know how you feel about this, Marcus, but I kind of don't want to say anything about it. Yeah, I think it's one of those things where if you talk about this particular sequence, it kind of ruins the impact of it. Right. I just think even if you drop hints or kind of be vague about it, I think you would spoil it. So we won't go there, but except to say it sets up um, let's say 
not a psychological profile, but it puts something in the air. It puts yeah. attention in the air. Yeah, it's a kind of motif it sets up, doesn't it? Really? Right. Right, exactly, which comes back later on. But it also, yeah, so it sets a tone. It doesn't give us a great deal of information. In fact, it hides it, I'd say, deliberately. Yeah, yeah, indeed. There's a, there's a device happening, isn't there? There is. Um, but it's important. So, <laughs> I mean, the people at home are wondering what the hell we're talking about. But I'm being deliberately vague. We're being deliberately vague because we don't want to spoil it for you. So, what the... So we'll ignore that for the moment. The beginning of the film is basically a domestic situation. You have um, you have Edward Woodward. He's the executive. You've got his wife. She's you know executive wife. Um, they live in a nice place in the country. Right. They're sort of well to do, aren't they? Like, right. You know, yeah. He's a They're business. Affluent. He's a business executive, isn't he? Yeah. Yeah. And you've got the daughter. Now the daughter is an interesting character, shall mm. we say? Mm-hmm. Um, she on on the face of it, you would say spoiled. Yeah, I think that's fair. She goes to a public school. She goes to a nice school, doesn't she? She goes to a nice school. We don't see much in the school. No, you see, you know, the classroom, the typical sort of you know, corridor scene where children are going in right. and out of, of you know, <clears throat> various classes and stuff. Right. You see her talking on the, with her friends on the way out, I think. But that's it. You don't see anything actually going on in the school because it's not really actually important to the plot. Um. So she comes home. She's you know she's got a violin. He's coming home from work. It's all it's all very deliberately domestic, mm-hmm. yeah, mundane possibly. Um, I think the, there is a mundanity to this film, but it's deliberate. Yeah, yeah, it's kind of yeah, it's a, a juxtaposition as they say, right? And also it's 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 a misdirection. Mm, yeah. Um. So anyway, so we've got a domestic scene and. There's there's tension already before the girl arrives home because he's he knows he's got to be um, at this appointment. So yeah, he doesn't want to disappoint his daughter, does he? Really, right? Because they've and there's already hints that this this relationship may be unhealthy. Let's say potentially, yeah. They're kind of yeah, yeah. I mean, his wife, you know, he kind of has a sort of gentle go at him about how he he really needs to put her straight because she's she's too spoiled. And he's worried about kicking up a fuss and how she's going to react, etc. So it's not. It's very low key, you know, um, but it's there. And and it's they set this out at the front because it's because it is important. Mm, it's yeah. not. It's not filler. No, no, definitely. Yeah, it, 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 it impacts on how the the, the the film sort of pans out, really. Right, and the themes of the film and what's really going on. And then we kind of get into the, the evening and, you know, the bomb's been dropped. He can't be there. Daddy can't be there. Um, and there's a mood in the house. Yeah. And it's not good. No, no, it's not. She, she's clearly not happy. No, no. And there's, there's that scene where he explains to her that she kind of needs to grow up a little bit and, you know, Daddy's got to do this thing, and she's just staring at him. Yeah, let's set this up. She's she's told that she's about twelve, thirteen years old, so she's kind of just starting to get into puberty as well. Right. So that's that that kind of elements there, isn't it? That it's definitely there, yeah. But there's something else going on as well. Like he's he's going through this speech like for about a minute, and 
It's just this psychotic stare. Yeah, just, yeah, yeah. It was well done. Actually. It was very well done because um, she just doesn't blink. Yeah, she's just staring at him like you know. In a way, you can see it's like, Daddy, how how could you? How could, it's just the guilt trip is unbelievable. <laughs> so that's so. Then we kind of move into the night. Um, everybody's you know in bed. Everybody's asleep. But things are happening. There's a kind of slow boil going on, and there's these dogs outside. Um, yeah, there's about three or four Rottweilers. Yeah, they were kind of the the devil dogs of the eighties. They really, were, yeah. They they were the archetypal evil dog. Cujo. Yeah, and you know so. I've I've seen a few films where they have uh, what was it um uh, the, uh, the Omen they had the omen, they yeah. had that you know so maybe taking that as part of the motif yeah, yeah. I think they were definitely kind of you wanted a horror dog you wanted a dog for your horror film back in the late seventies <laughs> the early eighties you got you know you got a Rottweiler um and they're kind of prowling and they're and you've got no idea where they've come from. Yeah. Um, it doesn't. It withholds a lot of information. This film quite deliberately, but you know, people are having night. Well, actually, he wakes up, doesn't he? He's having a nightmare when he, he wakes up. He wakes up. He's having trouble sleeping, isn't he? Mm. He's got. He's got maybe the appointments kind of playing on his mind because there's been an accident or something like that. That's so he's, right. got, he's got to turn up, and uh, so the whole thing is sort of, sort of playing on his mind. <clears> yeah, yeah. He's he's un, he's definitely unsettled, and we're unsettled. Yeah, yeah. You know. And we don't really know why. No, why it's kind of starting to get slightly supernatural, mm-hmm. really, isn't it? At mm-hmm. this point, really, mm-hmm. yeah. Because you know these dogs are about, and everybody can, there's, there's a weird vibe going on, and everybody can feel it. But you know, we don't actually know what's going on. So then it kind of cuts to the next day, the day of the appointment, and he's up really early. There's a scene, though, isn't there? Uh, out in the corridor he um he has a car ah yes own car yes but there's problems with his car right and he takes it to a kind of friend stroke mechanic right friendly um, friendly mechanic mechanic, and uh they have a bit of a chat actually about because the mechanic has three daughters so he's kind of asking his mechanic friend about you know how to approach the, uh, the situation with his daughter that's right um now he's been given a higher car, or, or you know, you get an alternative car while right. your car's being fixed. So right. he has a different car to what he normally has, doesn't he? Mm-hmm. That's right. Yeah. Well, actually, his wife has a dream. They both have a dream. That's right. <laughs> and it happens to be the same dream. And it happens to be the same dream. No, yeah, we get into that too much because mm. you know I'm going to spoil it all, but. Yeah, that's already another sort of supernatural kind of spooky thing that's happening. Right. And she doesn't actually realise it till later on. Um, and it's kind of hand-waved away, but, you know, we know that this isn't right. So, yeah, so they have a rough night of it. And uh, in the morning, he's up early, he's off to the appointment. He's got to go to an inquest because there's been an accident. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. So he got, he's got to go. It's, it's not an option. He's got to go. And then we kind of start on this journey. It's it's him in the car, driving a Cortina. <laughs> Stroke Granada. We're not Stroke, quite, we're not, we can't we're not quite sure yet. <laughs> it's incidental, but you know. Well, the thing, it, it is, but it's, again, it's like it's like the scene where he, he sits down in this motorway cafe. Mm. Um, it's, 
it's all about the mundanity of it. He's a very ordinary guy living a very, you know, they're fairly affluent, but it, yep. it's not exciting. It's not, you know, they're not jetsers. They're, you know, they're very suburban. Yeah, totally. And it's a suburban setting and it's a very British, it's that early 80s Dolesville. I mean, even his car is beige. <coughs> yes. Quite literally beige. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and they feel like deliberate deliberate choices. Um, you know, the the kind of, well, like when he sits down to have to, to have a cup of tea in, in this, this motorway cafe, you can feel your will to live just draining away. Yeah, the banality of it all. Just the banality of it all. There's, there's other things going on, though. Um, like, for instance, this truck turns up, which, fair enough, it's a truck, but it's not, is it? It's No, it's a little bit more. It, it is a truck. Um, a lorry or whatever. But it happens to have a logo on the side. It does, which is reminiscent of the three dogs. Mm-hmm. I don't know if you noticed as well, like, the, the art style had a kind of... Do you know it reminded me of that kind of yellow submarine, kind of cartoonish, but with a kind of weird edge to it? You know what it reminded me of? What's that? You know, like the artwork you used to get on Second World War um, planes? Oh, nose art on, on bombers yeah, and stuff that's what like it kind of reminded me of. A little that, bit like that, yeah yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, so it's kind of, it does stand out. So, yeah, so this, this, this lorry turns up and it gets a bit dual. Yeah, the film with um, Dennis Weaver. That's right, the, film. The, yeah. the Spielberg movie. Yeah, so there's a bit of, bit of. Is, is he being followed? Right. Uh, you know what, what's happening? Why is this, this? We keep seeing this truck, where, you know, appearing where right. he's on his journey. Right, and the reason we say Jill is because you don't see the driver. Mm. Yeah. In the same as in that film, you you never really saw the, the face of the driver. Um, it's the same with this. This truck just turns up, and you know he's. It seems to be driving a little too fast, and there's a there's a. Well, there's a, there's a scene in in the telephone box where he's he's phoning his wife. Back in the day before mobile phones, kids. Before mobile phones. <laughs> That's right. And this truck turns up, and it's a kind of near miss thing, isn't it? It's yeah. You, you set up where <clears throat> the shot, if you like, he's standing in 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 the in the, uh, in the phone booth as it was in, the, in the, back in the day. Mm-hmm. And you want, is it going to crash into him, or you know, you're not quite sure what's going to happen, are you? It was kind of like a sort of low key. Hitchcock moment, I thought. Um, but again, in this very kind of ordinary setting. So yeah, you've got stuff like this going on. There's, there's, there's a feeling because we've been set up by things like the domestic situation, the dream. There's, there's things going on. It's all, this film is all about the sort of undercurrent playing out. We're not going to spoil the end because the end is quite spectacular. Yes. Um, in fact, this book, this film is bookended by two quite standout scenes i would say yeah definitely which is a structure that i suppose wouldn't suit everybody and there's definitely going to be people that will find this film boring the 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 junkie you know the action addicts are yeah. just not gonna this get is it. this is a slow burn type is. of film psychological yeah. type of thing really isn't right it really? yeah it's it's about state of mind it's about you know internal rage and and, and all this kind of stuff but Again, like the plot is so ordinary, but it isn't that kind of film. It's, it's. I mean, it doesn't disappoint at the end. I would say no. You know, the, 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 there's long moments of kind of psychological kind of tension, and you're trying to work out what's going on, and and then it sort of like a baseball bat, it just whacks you around it the does. head with with, with with certain things, doesn't it? Like you know, it does. Although there is, there is, as you pointed out, there is a horror spot. 
uh, I'd say about two thirds the way through with the mechanic. Yeah. Now we won't say what happens, but yeah, mm. yeah, he's, he's kind of bound up in the whole sort of metaphor, the sort of the psychological element of the film, and it kind of gets expressed in in the mechanic, kind of you know the mechanic had been talking to uh, Ed, Edward Woodward character since he has three daughters himself. Mm-hmm. Uh, so they're already, ha- already having some sort of interaction. Right, so there's uh, an association. Yeah, there. and uh, yeah, it, it, it's kind of what happens to him. So, you know, so there's, there's, there's the psychological um, element that, that runs through the film and then it's sort of punctuated here and there with sort of dynamic moments, let's just call it that. Right, yeah, and I think... See, I'm still not sure about this bit. Mm. It it didn't. I know exactly what you mean. It, it kind of it sort of defies explanation a little yeah. bit. And I, <laughs> but the problem is, I don't know if that's me or not. I don't know if we're missing something. This is a possibility. Yeah, I really don't. Yeah, I honestly don't know. Because I think once you watch the film through to the end, and maybe sort of give it an hour or so and let it wash over you. You kind of get the whole premise of what was been happening, right? But maybe that bit with the mechanic is left a bit ambiguous. You're not quite sure what to make of it, right? Yeah, there's definitely questions to be answered there, um, or it just could be, you know, it might it might simply be that they 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 thought we need a highlight, we need a, you know, we need a bit of action, a bit of explosive action, and and it it was kind of wedged in there. I really mm. don't know. Mm. It'd be I'd be interested to to hear what the listeners think actually yeah see what you think now this film isn't very well known and one of the reasons we're covering it is because it i think it came out on blu-ray fairly recently but um it wasn't available on as far as i know wasn't available on dvd i've wanted to cover it for ages but Mm. or or the the vhs era it was out on vhs or was it it was out on vhs but Look at what's... Yeah, who would have watched that? Well, I mean, you know, like you can get anything on DVD and Blu-ray now, but this film was ignored. Mm-hmm. Um, don't know why. It's probably to do with the production company and who owns the rights and all the rest of it, because it usually comes down to all that. But the weird thing is, it's got a big star in it. Yeah. Um, yeah, as I say, Edward Woodward from Callum, uh, The Wicker Man, and The Equalizer. The Equalizer. So, you know, so we've got a big star here. Yeah. Which is, it's strange, isn't it? Like, even films, even a big star. I mean, it is in 1982. He was, he was the equaliser at this moment, mm, he was, wasn't he? Yeah, yeah. Or he was very close to it anyway. Um, so, you know, it's strange how even films from big stars can sort of just fall off in, into, into sort of nowhere. Yeah. So, what did you make of it? What did you make of this film? Yeah. Um, <clears throat> it's one of those films, um, you've got to let it wash over you. Um, Yes, there's a good. There's devices in the film that lead you one way, uh, and then uh, it's only really when you watch the end of the film do you actually realise that it's actually another direction. <coughs> so they set that they set up that that contrast quite well, I think. Yeah, yeah, I think the misdirection is is very well done, and I'm still I still think there's feel I feel like there's things I'm I'm not I haven't picked up on yet. Mm-hmm. I I wouldn't be surprised if watching it again. You, you, you pick see up more, you, yeah, yeah, yeah. You, you see more and kind of go, oh right, you know, there's, there's probably clues in it because it just feels like that kind of movie. Maybe it's <laughs> you know we've got it all. I don't know. Maybe we've got a hundred percent of it. It just yeah, doesn't or, feel like know, it though. Or, or you know the, the you know the the director <clears throat> sort of left things for you to work out. 
you know, it could be this, it could be, you know, you know, give you some input into what it could be. Well, I think there's definitely more than one way you could take the premise, mm. to be perfectly honest with you. I don't think there is a definitive expert. I know what I think it's about, but, you know, I'm sure other people could, could chime in with their own. Like I say, I'd be interested well, to see it. Put it. Put it in the comments. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Let us know. If you've seen it, because I think only about three people have seen that movie. <laughs> yeah, we're two of them. Sandy was a popular girl and a rising star with the school orchestra. Her music master described her as a most gifted violinist with amazing potential. The general opinion was that, apart from her exceptional musical talent, she was a normal, happy and well-liked 12-year-old. And there was nothing to suggest anything more than the usual friendly rivalries of school life. But there can be no doubt that someone thought otherwise. Sandy. There you go. That was the appointment. Yeah, indeed. Right. So what we got next week, Gary? Next week we journey back to the dawn of the zombie craze with a film that defies convention and expectation. Join us as we take on the hordes in Umberto Lenzi's 1980 cult classic, Nightmare City. Okay, a zombie movie. A zombie movie, okay. Um, okay, guys, um, yes, there's been a lot of zombie movies. We're not talking about some sort of post-millennium zombie no, movie no, that's no. been churned out by no, the bucket no. load. So this is this is more than that. This is... This is this is both simultaneously more and less. <laughs> it's 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 not a great film, but it is a lot of fun. Mm. Yeah. So uh, yeah. So join us next week, and um, we'll see how we go. All right. See them. Good night, folks. Bye. Say so good night, Gary. My name is not Gary. I am a HAL nine thousand advanced computer. Good night, flesh sacks. Thank you for joining us for another mind-bending episode of the Cinefreak Show. Remember to visit us at cinefreakco.uk. And don't forget to send in your feedback to Gary at cinefreakco.uk. This has been a Cinefreak production, your favorite for all things weird and wonderful in the world of classic cult cinema. Good night, carbon-based life forms.